1: Good morning, Judd. Uh, Kenny, Brian Murphy in for uh, Phil today because Phil is stuck in Arizona. Clearly, the smartest man on the face of the earth. You know, right know. it's the struggle is real, Judd. Stuck in Arizona. Now, launching. which I can say, the and Judd.
2: We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell?
0: It's their fourth man advantage situation. And Eric Stahl has another shorthanded breakaway with Cunning driving the net. in scores! First in the NHL,
2: and it's 4-1 Minnesota.
1: Uh, that and was, last this season. I was going to say, that was the good news for Luke. The, the bad news is, as we found out yesterday, Luke Cunnin, uh will now miss uh, Brian the next seven months because of a torn ACL in his left knee that he suffered on Sunday at a game that you were at against the uh, Detroit Red Wings. That means uh, that a guy who I think that I think that a guy like Cunning, if they sign uh, Jordan Greenway of BU, I think those guys are instrumental to what could be the. Little bit of a changing of the guard with this team, and you start to introduce some uh, new blood and especially some high draft picks. Cunning was the uh, Wild's first round pick in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. My point being is don't sleep on him being hurt. This because I think fans will be like, well, he was up for a little while and then he got sent down, and now Brian, he's you know, he's back up, but it's not that big a deal. I actually think this is a big deal. Because I was hoping that you would get a guy like Greenway signed. Uh, Cunnan, perhaps, gets comfortable. And you start to use them more in the playoffs. I would not sleep on this being no big deal. And seven months means that he's essentially, if I've got this right... Probably not even back for the opening night of the 2018 19 season.
2: Right, which means he's not going to be full strength until maybe Thanksgiving or yeah. so, and he's going to miss all of training camp and, you know, developmental camp, uh, which I think he'd probably still, I don't know, would he participate in that? Probably not. That's a prospects deal. But um, it, it it is a big deal because Chuck Fletcher said at the trade deadline, uh, we didn't make any moves, but, you know, this is an opportunity for these kids to come up and make, you know, maybe energize the lineup, uh, bring a little bit more. Of a dynamic, a uh-huh. little more urgency, you know, as the team gets worn down here in March. Well, we saw that with Nick Sealer, the defenseman, the other night taking on uh, Luke Witkowski in one of those all-timer 1970s throwback brawls from Broad Street or the Boston Garden. Uh-huh. And what he did single-handedly lifted that bench in the second period and kind of propelled them to get two quick goals and take care of a Red Wings team that should have been taken care of a lot earlier. So I agree. Don't sleep on the fact that you've lost a prospect. You know, everybody chalks up ACLs these days as you know hangnails because everybody can have them. They have the surgery, it's like Tommy they come John. back. It is. It's, it's almost like, like ah, no big deal. It sounds like maintenance these days. Yep, you know, it's just right. well, you know, he tore his ACL. We know exactly how it's going to work. We know the surgery, the timeline, the rehab. He'll be back. He'll be good as new. He might even be stronger. He's twenty years old. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, not every ACL is is the same, and you know, I'm sure Sharif Floyd would have you uh, beg to differ. Going onto the operating table is not that routine. So. They lose a prospect. They lose a a chance for him to play some meaningful games too
1: down the stretch. And I thought into the playoffs definitely. You can't
2: you can't underestimate the value of playing pressure filled hockey games and what that brings to you for next season. He's not going to get any of that. But I like what you said about Greenway. Now I don't think BC's that good that year. It doesn't sound like they're going to make a run to the Frozen Four. Yeah, they may be able to get him quicker. Than say a, a more di- a dominant team that'll be playing into the first week of April, uh, based on what I saw of Greenway in the Olympics, he's six foot six, bulldozing Russians yes. everywhere in a in a lost effort because that was a terrible game that USA played. I'd
1: love to see him in the lineup down the stretch. He's six foot six, and it, as far as I'm concerned, if he's a guy that you can sign, because he's a junior this year, if you can sign him now, you sign him and you plug him in, and you say until you prove you can't do it. You're a second line wing here, and I plug him in at that size. This is exactly what this team needs I at the think. expense of. At, oh, oh, take your pick. Second line. Sec, well, if you go, if you plug him into the second Nino, line, Nino. I
2: it, think Nino can find find a way
1: down down the lineup a little where's bit. Where's Parisi these days? Is I think he Parisi, third line now. Parisi, Koivu, and, and uh, Nino played actually, the other night. You know night. who I would. You know who, who I would play him for a ton? Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle to me has become a non-factor. Well, they, and then they I are sort say, of. I would say, Jordan, you are you are what we thought Charlie was going to be. Prove yourself. Boy, that would be really insulting to Coyle for I a Boston guy to come in. Well, he's not I, a Boston guy, but a right, BC guy. I don't care. Yeah, he's supposed to be the power forward, right? Yes, and he's nowhere close to it. I would say, Jordan, if you can play, you're big enough. Drive to the net, score some garbage goals. Drop anchor exactly. Uh, you covered the game on Sunday. What is your feeling about this team. I mean, my, oh, I my mine's well-known, and they drive me crazy. But, I mean, you do come up with... Here, I, I was do, doing some uh, digging this morning. I don't think anybody knows who they are. I don't think the Wilds, they know who they are. Star Tribune had this this morning in the Carolina Wild preview box. The Wild's 38 points since January 1st are the second most in the Western Conference, and they have 52 points on home ice, which leads the entire league. And they've been That's fantastic at, at home. Yeah, but...
2: They lost they, their three home playoff games last year as well,
1: and they still drive me nuts because and every time that you want to buy in, they go and they do what they did against uh, the Coyotes, which was play a fabulous first period and, and then, then come, they lay down yeah.
2: completely.
0: Because so, when they face so adversity,
1: what's your feeling? I don't. I, 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 my whole feeling is wake me if they're
2: playing in May, because otherwise it's the same. It's the same story, and I don't. I don't I'm not investing time and energy. I don't know why the 18,000, 19,000 Wild Nation seems to keep doing that because Stockholm they're, Syndrome. they're not speaking with their pocketbooks. And until they do speak with their pocketbooks, kind of like Gophers fans are speaking with their pocketbooks, yeah. Go for hockey. Uh, yeah. the 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 Wild can continue to just kind of middle muddle through here and I, I to me You have to win a playoff series. You have to play into May. You have to look dynamic. You have to have your best players step up when it matters most. Because otherwise, this is the same story. I don't want to hear about the fact that this is the second best regular season you've ever had. I don't want to hear about the most points since New Year's Day. Because all of it is conversation. This market is 19 years into this franchise. There's one banner. One banner in yeah. the rafters, and you got bounced. That and that, that year, was ten years mistaken, ago. In
1: what six games yes. by the abs?
2: You got beaten by an underachieving avalanche team. Yeah, so you have no, your your glory days are fifteen years old right now. Mm-hmm. The spring of two thousand three, we were there for that run. Mm-hmm. That
1: should not be your emotional Whoa. touchstone. And that was a incredibly hardworking, gutsy. Yep. To use a hockey term. Absolutely. That that was them. I mean. The 2003 team was the anti-2017-18 Wild. Or in 2013 the sense that the, through 18 two, Wild. Yeah, because the 2003 team got by on one thing alone. Gumption. Yes. They weren't that talented. They played a system art. that was boring. They have a lot of art. They did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think my biggest thing is I just... I think Boudreaux's done a very good job. I don't trust this team. I don't, no, trust, and, and this is shouldn't. why I want to introduce guys. You not. And this is why the Greenways and Cundins to me could help you because I really think it, with the current contracts, you can't go through and make complete sweeping changes. But what you can do is you can move some, some guys out. You I, can
2: inject players.
1: I, I'm telling you. Charlie Coyle seems like a very nice guy, but I've seen enough. No, I've I I been expecting. I've been waiting for him. I can almost to come. say the
2: same thing about Granlund too. It's close, but he's still a playmaker. But on but the
1: nights where he's good, yeah, I get yeah. so well, There's sixty enticing. of them. There's sixty so of them intense. and not eighty of them, and, and that's a problem. And Nino, I'll give a little bit of a pass to because he's uh, banged up. He's banged up, and I think he's playing with or he was playing with a broken leg or broken bone in that of some sort. So I give him a little bit of a pass, and I, I like him. He's skating a little better. Um, but the only thing about Boudreaux that drives you crazy is the fact that it took him so long to take um, Granlund off the Koivu line. Koivu is back to being what I said he was two years ago. Marginal. third line. He's He is a third-line center. If you have him higher than that, it's a mistake. They just don't have, at this point, someone else to plug in. But if you think about it, Right now, with the guy that we watch, and I don't care that he's got like three goals in his past four games or something, but if you watch him on a consistent basis, he is a he could be plugged in as a third-line center, and I have no idea why you signed him to a contract extension that's going to kick in for next year for two more years. And he's got a C on his, uh, his jersey not, as well. I'm not, I'm not even going there now. It's a C on paper. Yeah, exactly.
0: Ding, ding. Third down and three. Extra men on the rush. Kingdom floats. Right. Sherry is right out of bounds
1: near the 15. You know, I love this team. I love these guys. I love the coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I love this whole organization. I mean, the WILFs are awesome, man. I mean,
2: the day I signed, I get a call from, from the owner, you know, welcoming to the team, and
0: they don't have to do that. That's 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 really cool. And from the top down, I just, that just trickles down, just the attitude and, and the character and the... Just the culture they have around
2: here is, is awesome. Um, and, you know, not to mention, you know, Minnesota itself,
1: man. The, the people here have been great. Brian, today is the key day when, when it comes is to, this, day, this is Franchise Tag Day, right? This is Franchise Tag Day. If the Vikings do not uh, put the Franchise Tag on Case Keenum by 3 o'clock this afternoon... He is going to, on March 12th, be free to start talking to teams, which I think is next Monday, and on March 14th can sign elsewhere. I will ask you a question that's been uh, that's been brought up on the show quite a bit, Mackie, myself, Collar. If the Vikings don't franchise him, if the Vikings allow Case Keenum to walk, in your mind, are they making a mistake? I don't know if I can answer that question in a complete vacuum, because
2: just asked in that way, yes, they are. But if they have the Brinks truck packed and they have a sense of, even though they can't tamper, (laughs) wink, wink, though they've been drinking all weekend in Indianapolis and been tampering. Absolutely. They have a sense of whether Kirk Cousins will play ball, and they have a sense of where that ballpark figure is going to be for guaranteed money. If they have a pretty good sense of that, or if they're willing to get into a bidding war and win the bidding war Uh for Kirk Cousins, Uh then it's not a mistake. But if they're on that tightrope and there's a lot of moving parts going on with Cousins... And there's a non commitment. Where's your insurance policy right now? And what what
1: harm does it do to franchise him? I brought this up last week is is the tampering has to be to the point where you are almost where you are basically positive. There must be a March 14th he'll sign because your your nightmare is this. The legal tampering period starts on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's say Teddy agrees to go to the Dolphins or the Jaguars or the Cardinals. Let's say uh, Case takes Denver. Case goes to Case, you know, agrees to, to, to terms with the Broncos. And I think Case is not coming back because if Case is not franchised and, and they clearly have not approached him about an extension. That's a guy with a chip on his shoulder already who's going to say, see ya, bye, I'm This gone. is an opportunity of a
2: lifetime to go
1: market myself. And let's say Sam's just like, you know what, I'll take what I can get on March 12th. Cleveland's going to make me a backup and a mentor, and I'm going to start the season in Cleveland. But then I might give way. But, you know, I've got a, as Zim told us all, degenerative knee condition. And so now on March 13th, they've all agreed uh, to go elsewhere, and the Vikings are saying, okay, we we think we've got cousins, we think we've got cousins. Or it's the Kyle Slaughter era. Yeah, and the Jets come (laughs) along and blow you away. So this to me is really interesting, too, because... Zimmer at the combine last week said, "If this doesn't work, I'll get fired." I'm gonna get fired. I don't think it's his job. I think it's Spielman's job. Well, it job. should be because this, this is, is his, Rick's job on his
2: poker game. Yes, but I don't think Zimmer wants Rick to lose the poker game anyway because no. Zim sees where he's at with this
1: defense. And no, but my point is, this is I think this is Spielman finally saying, "I've got a guy." And it's not going to be a guy that's going to start for two years. It's going to be a guy that starts for four years, maybe five years for me.
2: Okay, but you think he's got it all figured out and he's going to thread that needle? No, I don't know. Because last week he my was the smartest guy in that in I, that combine, right? He was we, the
1: smartest guy in the room that at that combine. You and I have both covered Rick. And Rick is very good at appearing confident at times. I got this, I got this, I got this. And wait. then they don't have it. So, no, I don't know that. No, that, that's my point. If, I think Rick does a very good job at making you believe that everything's going to be fine. Of course. I think we've both seen situations where we're fairly convinced that that was going to be the case, and then it doesn't necessarily. And I'm not saying he's always done a bad job. He's acquired some nice talent. but there have Of course been a, he
2: has. He's built a fantastic yes. defense. So this is
1: not a rip of Rick. I'm just saying, no, I'm not convinced.
2: At the at, But at this position, at this position, he stubs his toe. Yes. Donovan McNabb, Christian Ponder. Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman was an, an abomination to the NFL the didn't, night he played didn't like in the all those Meadowlands.
1: Sailing around the Meadowlands.
2: So Rick trying to thread this needle. This is going to be fun to watch cuz this could abs- he could nail it or this could blow up spectacularly.
1: I've told Macky the bi- the biggest thing is cuz cuz Phil keeps coming to me and saying the Vikings give uh give Cousins such a good chance to win. I think he's coming here and I said I agree with well, you I don't except- know about that. I, I said I agree with you except for this one thing. If the Jets show up... $150 million guaranteed. If the Jets show up with a wheelbarrow full of completely irresponsible, and Woody Johnson, who owns them, is pretty much nuts. If he shows up with a wheelbarrow full of cash... Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And the Vikings are like, oh, we can't do that. I don't think you can, with with a players association that is as weak as this league's players association is, if you're cousins, you can't just say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave $35 million on the table. I don't think you can do that. Phil thinks you can. I don't think you can. I think you got to take the money. I don't. Think, I don't
2: think you do it for the for the sake of your union brethren. I think you do it because you'll never ever get
1: 150 million. But I'm just saying, I think there's guaranteed a lot. for but, anything ever. But imagine if the agent for Kirk Cousins signs off on him going to the Vikings for a massive amount less. I think there's way too many. There are way too many factors that, at some point in time, if the money is completely, completely different, you're going to have to go to the Jets.
2: Well, now, I know the union definitely wants to set a precedent with yeah. a guaranteed contract. There's no question about that.
1: Sure. And and the Vikings could match it, but then we we would get into the conversation of okay, you matched that. Now, who can you afford to retain too?
2: Yeah. Well, Ben Gessling wrote about that today. He thinks that they can somehow for about 84 million guaranteed. For Kirk Cousins, they can have their cake and eat it, too, uh, with uh, Kendricks and Barr and Daniil Hunter. Now, I he crunched a but lot of numbers. what else can you bring in,
1: there too? See, that's—because Collar's talked about that before, too. Collar, Collar said you can afford to retain your own guys, but then the question gets to be, can you improve at at other positions as well? When you need to, especially, like, an offensive line. Because it becomes or, difficult. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, and that's the one thing is is people forget. Then franchise Keenum and buy yourself a but year. They're, but they're clearly not going to because the head coach doesn't trust him. I think the head coach, I honestly think he can't stand QBs because he doesn't want a franchise. Right. He, doesn't, well, he, he loves Teddy. He but, loves yeah, him some Teddy, but though. But beyond Teddy, I think he can't stand him. I think he sees, uh, I think Mike Zimmer sees quarterbacks like most coaches see kickers, necessary evils to their sport, except for Teddy. I think Teddy's the one. I think you're right. I think Teddy's the one guy because that was his first quarterback here.
2: Yes, that he was part of the
1: draft process. He's a great dude. We all know that. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's come back and talk about uh, Tubby Smith's comments because Tubby Tubby might have reached the height of hypocrisy with, with his rant a couple days ago. Mackie and Judd is the show. Brian Murphy in for Phil today. Fifteen hundred ESPN with the new NCAA regulations. Guys can transfer when they want. I've been in this business a long time. Never seen like we had over 800 Division One players transfer last year. Over 800. Come on, teach them how to quit. That's what we're doing. Somebody need to tell them that hey, you made a you made a commitment. Stick to it. They got a lot of people near. That's the way life is. Those are the distractions. The noise. If you can just put that in a box and keep the noise away like I do, so we can survive and advance in anything. Brian Murphy Tubby's uh, glass house T- is Tubby's, just shattered Tubby's right Tubby's now. Tubby's incredible. So uh, yeah, the gopher coach from what what was it, two thousand and seven through thirteen or yeah, something along the way? The underachieving line. gophers coach. Yeah. Tubby Smith, I worked I actually did uh was co host with Mike Grimm on his show for uh, two or three years there. And the one thing that quickly became clear to me that I always found to be amusing about uh, Tubby, because I actually did like him, a likable guy, but his, his biggest problem was by that point, I felt he really couldn't stand the kids. That's not a good position to be in if you're a leader I, of young men. No, I felt like he just, I felt like he looked at them and thought, because they're, you know generationally, just so different. Yeah, Tubby's getting up there. He's got to be close to 70 now, isn't he? Yeah, and he was just, they would drive, and I just felt like the players drove him absolutely crazy. And I think his comments, uh, now the coach at at Memphis, that he made yesterday uh, in in his press conference, to unpack them is interesting. Because one one is, he's talking about kids quitting in a sports world where a lot of people quit now, including coaches all the time. I don't know that a head coach is in in a position to lecture people on walking away from situations where it looks bad. Yeah, under contract. Yes, always head negotiating an out clause. I know he got fired from here, but Tommy Smith has walked away from a few Tulsa, jobs before at, Kentucky as a cash grab. Exactly. Texas Tech was uh-huh. he at Texas yeah. a And M? Texas Tech. Okay. Yeah, he went from he went from here to Texas Tech, and then. Uh, Memphis now. Wasn't he in Oklahoma at a certain point? So, no, no, nope, no, never. No, okay. no, no. His, uh, his uh, head coaching career uh, goes uh, Tulsa, and then he went to Georgia for a tick, and then he went to Kentucky, and then he left Kentucky because he was about to get run out of Kentucky. And that's when the search firm, when he was at Kentucky, found out about that and got him up here. And then he lasted here, I think, through 2013, went to the tournament, got fired. Uh, then went Texas Tech, and now Memphis. He only went one tournament here, didn't he? I think that is correct, and that was the last one, and that's when Teague blew him out because Teague didn't like him. But I always, yeah, Tubby Tubby was at a point when he was here where I felt like the players drove him absolutely batty, which is, I understand that can happen, but you're also signed on as a college coach to work with those players. But now I just, I find it amusing now that he comes around and he's talking about transfer, you know, well, okay. Tubby. They're making it easier to transfer. In yeah. 800, and he's thundering away at the podium,
2: pounding away, banging his shoe T- uh, ba- at the incredulousness of it all. And uh, the, look, I, I, underst- I, I get the point. He's making terrible messenger, though. You cannot have a college head coach mm-hmm. representing a profession of, let's just say pure carpet baggers they're all carpet baggers they're all looking for the next best opportunity they all negotiate out clauses in their contract which by the way um the the players don't have because what do they have they have scholarships but they don't have contracts they're not getting paid you know that could not, be changing in upcoming years be, but right that, now it's, it's not, it's not. Yeah, yeah. uh and and you know whatever you know tubby went back and talked about his dad and and how his dad gave him the ultimatum back in the late 60s you know cuz he was thinking about Transferring or leaving whatever school he was going to at the time, and the old man said, "Yeah, you you do that. You can join the army." Of course, being 1968 or 69, if you're 20 years old, you're probably not wanting to go overseas and and uh, put a gun in your hand and fight over in South Vietnam. So, I understand that, but you know that worked for Tubby, for him specifically at that time. Yes. Okay. That doesn't that that's 50 years ago, and that's not a blanket. Uh that should not be a blanket acceptance of what all college kids in 2018 should be doing especially when coaches are always looking for what the next best and more lucrative deal is.
1: I think there's a lot of college coaches the more I see them uh I think there are a number of them who really should think about how long do I want to do this? Because Tubby's a classic case of back in my day. Back yeah, in my day no. this were you know back in my day my my old man told me you go to war Okay, you go to you're recruiting a kid now. He's 18 years old, and he's a star player. And you go in, into his home. And, he's probably likely never heard of Vietnam. Yeah, well, yeah. Except and you're trying, that's where his genes were. Made. And you're trying to sell him on what, on how you were raised and what you believed. And you can't do that. Tubby desperately, I think, wanted kids to understand. Where he came from and his dirt it, poor and, and, yeah, and all of that—that's fine. And you know what? The story—the story was a really intriguing story. So this is not to sell him short for it, but but the mistake that I think these guys make is they think that these kids now are going to identify with them. They think that these kids are going to look at Tubby and say, "Oh, oh, Mister Smith, your story is a fantastic one, and therefore I should listen to it." They don't do that now. Yeah, but if t-
2: It's rare. I agree. And But it's not just nowadays, too. If Adolph Rupp had sat down with Tubby Smith in 1968, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if Adolph Rupp would have sat down with Tubby Smith. A Good com- point. Bad, a bad comparison. Com- How about John Wooden? John, John, John Wooden, Wooden <laughs> sat down with uh, Tubby Smith in 1968 and said, uh, you know, when I was coming up in the ranks uh, in the Depression, blah, 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 I think Tubby's eyes would have glazed over as well. Young people... Do not young people have historically and, you know, in some ways, rightfully so look what's happening down in Florida with those Parkland High School kids stand up to authority Mm -hmm. when that authoritarian message does not resonate with them. Now, sometimes they're misguided and sometimes it's all uh, a a bunch of hot air and and an excuse to get drunk and and not uh, toe the line. But what I'm what I'm saying is young people historically do not like to be told by their elders how things used to be and how things used to be better because it first of all i think the second part is exactly right because nobody wants i don't care if it was better in your day i'm not living in your day
1: see the first part though i think when when i was young being told how it was to me was intriguing but it's when it pivots to and this is why we had it better and it's like no it's different it's not necessarily better Your the good old days weren't always good, and tomorrow yeah. ain't as bad as it seems. Exactly, I and think so, Billy Joel said. And that. so Tubby, Tubby is so Tubby is so desperate, though, or seemed to be so desperate to have kids understand where where he was coming from, and you wanted to tell him, Tubby, I don't think they care, and to go, but now, but now the height of hypocrisy is for him to sit there and lecture kids on being loyal. He's getting barbecued in, on this too. Well, and he should because because he's also talking during a time where the NCAA is complete, a complete mess. He's talking during during a time where loyalty in that profession and that in sports doesn't exist it's as mu- far as you can toss the ball. It's a really bad it's a really bad time not just coming from him for any coach in college basketball yeah, to take a moral high ground yes, cuz nobody is. Nobody's doing it. And I mean we we're hearing programs that a lot of people, not us probably, but thought were pristine that aren't pristine. Apparently they're on wiretaps in
2: Arizona, maybe maybe not, but talking payoffs. Oh, now sure, that, the they, Sean Miller thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe ESPN yeah. is is too far out on the line story, but, don't protest so much
1: Sean. Yeah. If you're not guilty, just say very simply say I'm not guilty. The indignation thing to me is always oh boy. If there's a voice on a wiretap
2: it's 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 obviously. You remember
1: there. Ryan Braun? You remember Lance Armstrong?
2: Yeah. How dare you? How dare you come after me? Yeah, throwing uh the, any any all the underlings under the bus. Ryan Braun's people went after the FedEx driver. They pinned it on him. I know they did. Well, how about pinned my- it
1: on the FedEx guy? Like he tainted the supply. And he probably got fired. Probably did. But how about how about that one? How about Lance Armstrong? Lance Armstrong how many for for a years, Decade. How many years did destroyed Lance destroyed people
2: and, that came out after him?
1: And here's where here's where it gets it gets super dicey to me when you threaten a lawsuit. I'm going to sue these people. Lance Armstrong threatened to sue everybody yeah. and, and their brother. Well, ESPN uh,
2: is not exactly going to get bowled over by the threat of a lawsuit. Well, if he's on a wiretap,
1: he's on a wiretap. He's on, exactly. I if mean, he's on no, a federal wiretap. There's, there's, there's no a, hedging that. ESPN's not tapping phones. Correct. If they have if 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 unless this whole report was completely screwed up and perhaps it was, but somebody if, told ESPN something that doesn't exist, that's that's possible. But if Sean Miller's voice is on a wiretap, ESPN is not this is a federal wiretap. This is a sting operation. If I if I was named, I would duck so much it would make it would boggle your mind. I wouldn't say anything. Do you think Sean Miller is that confident that he is not on a wiretap? It sure seems like he just it, trying to buy time. Should, and the school is behind him, too. It seems, and the fans are, too. Well, of it's, course they are. It seems like he is, but to go back to Lance Armstrong, I've never seen indignation like that before, and he was completely guilty. So, before, so 10 years ago, I'd be like, I think Sean Miller's not guilty. I mean, he's this. Yeah, if you're that adamant, confident, and the this, school is that confident. But after the whole Armstrong thing now, I think this is a lot of hot air, probably. Don't believe anybody, but man, it's one thing if it's
2: he said he said, but if there is a tape out there with his voice offering, was it six hundred grand? Yeah. What was the number?
1: Yeah, it was uh five or six hundred grand. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't hedge a denial with that. It's out there somewhere. There is there is no one, Brian. I don't think in this town who is as torn on Kirk Cousins and who is convincing himself on a daily basis that if the Vikings sign Cousins, it's going to be a massive mistake. That person, it's not the head coach. It's Matthew Collar, and he joins us now.
0: Third down and three. Extra men on the rush. Keenan floats. Right. Chariots right out of bounds near the 15.
1: Mackie and Jed actually is uh, Murphy and Zolgad today, fill out, uh, stuck in Arizona, a very smart man. Joining us now, Matthew Collar. All right, Collar, uh, today is actually a very important day. Three o'clock this afternoon would be when the Vikings would need to franchise Case Keenum by. It does not appear that's going to happen. It still appears this franchise might be on course to sign Kirk Cousins. I saw you did a deep dive on Kirk. It sounds like by the day, you're basically uh, coming to the conclusion that signing Kirk Cousins to a massive contract is going to be a big mistake. Is that a correct assessment?
0: Uh, I don't know if I would put it as big mistake. I think that it carries a different kind of risk than Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford or or Case Keenum, which is the risk of signing yourself up for a middle-of-the-pack quarterback at a price that is far above what you should pay a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. And I I know that there's no middle class when it comes to getting paid. You're either getting $30 or you're getting a Mike Glennon contract that isn't for much or you're just getting almost nothing to be a backup quarterback. But um, if you were doing this the way it should be for how much quarterbacks are worth and, and how much they take up of your salary cap, uh, everything that I've looked at from watching every playback of his season to doing a study on the pro football focus and advanced statistics, I find Kirk Cousins to be a, a middle of the pack quarterback. And I, I think that there's reasons to go beyond just his defense, uh, that the Washington has not been as successful with him as their starter. And I, I, I can see the reasons why Washington decided to move on and get Alex Smith instead. I, I think Alex Smith, Uh, is capable of being a a much better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. We saw it last year, and it's kind of unfortunate that Alex Smith got robbed of a playoff win because uh, his coach doesn't know how to manage a clock and his defense melted down against Tennessee because Smith had a great year last year. But, I mean, you know, when you look at some of the things like the big-time throws, how often... Uh, the quarterback makes a a turnover worthy play like a dropped interception or a fumble or things like that how they perform on third down everything screams that Cousins is kind of in the middle even if his fantasy stats look better than that I think the deeper dive reveals that you are not getting one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL if you sign him. but what are we supposed
2: to make of those numbers then they're just all they're just as worthless as the paper they come on uh, when
0: you're talking about yeah, when you're talking about things like touchdowns, completion percentage, yards totals, those really don't tell you a whole lot. I mean, do you remember when Blake Bortles threw 35 touchdowns? I don't. I mean, one of the, one of the, <laughs> well, well, he did, he did. And, and the, you know, if you look from year to year at touchdown totals, I mean, there are years where Aaron Brooks is throwing more touchdowns than Brett Favre, Ben Roethlisberger, and, and Drew Brees. I mean, there are, there are plenty of times where a, a bad quarterback or mediocre quarterback throws a lot of touchdowns, and one of the things, you know, you look at the 2016 season for Kirk Cousins, which I think was his best year, but if you look at 3,000 of his 4,900 yards came when his team was down, and his best quarterback rating was when they were down by two scores. I mean, there was a lot of times where his defense was giving up a lot of points, and he was stacking up his numbers. I mean, you've seen this even from Drew Brees, who is the best of the absolute best. But one of the reasons he threw for over 5,000 yards so many times is because their defense was really bad. And this year their defense was better. He only threw for 4,300 yards, but he was just as good this year as he's ever been. So yet there was a 1,300-yard difference uh, in his performance. So I I think that those stats are so muddy that it's really hard to figure out what's what. And that's why I think you have to look a lot deeper. And, And what you see from Cousins is that uh, he could put up some good numbers and that he is a good quarterback. I mean, I'm, I'm not making it out to seem like he's, you know, the 30th best quarterback in the league. I mean, he's much more in the middle of the pack when you look at what he has to do when he really has to make throws. When they the other team takes away the play action or when it's a game situation where you can't just use play action or scheme up a short pass, uh, the, then I think that that's where he kind of struggles. And, and all the ways that I describe – Kirk Cousins kind of sound a lot like Case Keenum, and I think that there are a, a good number of comparisons there.
1: If I was to rank people in this town who were uh, potentially tortured by this move, Zimmer is a solid two, but Collar, I think you're one. I think you've surpassed. <laughs> I think I think that you are. I think you've done more digging and more research. Cause I, I would, a lot of
2: emotional investment in you.
1: I, I would say, Matthew, that a month ago, I would have put you... If not firmly on the Cousins' train, I would have put you close to the front. And I think now you, you've got one foot off the caboose, and you might bail. I think well, Zim might be number I, I,
0: two. Spielman would be three. Well, here's here's what the, the problem is. It, when you talk about the other quarterbacks that are options here, um, there isn't a perfect option. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, if they move on from Teddy Bridgewater, that tells me they do not think that his knee is good to go. Obviously. They're too much in love with him. Yeah, right, exactly, because they want him, and uh, Mike Zimmer would adopt him if he didn't have a a mother already, right? So, like, uh, you know, I mean, this is the same with Sam Bradford. From talking with Zimmer at the Combine, he loves Sam Bradford, too. And from watching uh, some of the throws that Bradford made, he has a really special skill set that not too many quarterbacks have that kind of arm. So Zimmer loves both of those guys, but it's pretty clear that Uh, they're just too afraid that you're going to bring back Bridgewater or bring back Sam Bradford and then all of a sudden somebody's knee's going to blow up and you're stuck in the same position just hoping that a backup quarterback can take you all the way to the Super Bowl. And even though it's happened a couple times in history, including this year, uh, it's usually Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady who wins the Super Bowl. So that's a, uh, that's not something you can really put your, put your job on. And, And so I understand this is, Kirk Cousins probably is, the best option for the quarterback here but the money that you have to pay him is so crazy that's where you wonder what's the difference between if you brought back case keenum for 15 million dollars or kirk cousins for 30 what could you make up the difference by signing three free agents a, a defensive tackle an offensive lineman i mean you look at what the eagles were able to do well carson wentz is on his rookie contract I mean, they're starting left guard, starting right guard. We're both free agents. Elshon Jeffries is a free agent. They paid Nick Foles more than you ever usually pay a backup quarterback. I mean, they were able to do a lot of things to stack up that roster because they weren't paying a quarterback $30 million, and I think that Mike Zimmer would like to do the same thing.
2: What concerns, I think, most fans in this town, though, is that the Vikings are going to be too cute trying to thread this needle and they're not going to have anybody left because they have to have a sense. They have to have a sense tampering be damned that Kirk Cousins is willing to play ball in Minnesota for a particular r- amount or range cuz otherwise how can you publicly walk the tightrope of basically saying we're going to let everybody leave and we're going to throw all our chips in the middle and we think Kirk's coming here cuz the jets yeah. the jets are going to tie up 150 million dollars guarantee and dump it on his front lawn uh i just how do how do you
0: how do you walk that tightrope well one thing that I think about is if you lose out on Kirk Cousins and everybody leaves, um, you still aren't in the worst position ever. I mean this is where this is just how I see Kirk Cousins and where he stands in the league. That if you lose out on him and you can't bring back Bridgewater or you don't trust his knee or whatever uh, that there are other players, and maybe Case Keenum's one of them, or maybe Ryan Tannehill is one of them, or Tyrod Taylor. I mean, that we would really have to get to the draft, which sounds really scary going no way. to the way. draft and, and not being You're short. not handing the what, quarterback job to a rookie. But that's what you – well, you know, there is precedent for that working out if it's a really good team. But what you would have to do is try to trade for somebody. They will burn like the Nick city Cole, down. They'll burn Egan down. i <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but, you know, the thing is that if you ended up with Ryan Tannehill instead of Kirk Cousins, you probably have just about the same caliber of quarterback, and uh, you'd have to pay him a whole lot less, and you could draft a quarterback with a lot of potential. I mean, I, I'm i just know, saying, if they
2: come out, I'm sorry, Matthew, if they come out of March without a starting quarterback in hand, they will burn the Tria Orthopedic <laughs> Center to, to the to ground before the paint they'll,
0: is dry. They'll back at in Eden Prairie before they know it. No, no, I, I think that you're right about what the perception would be, and I'm saying that I don't think it would be anywhere near as bad. I mean, even if you think about what Dallas did a couple of years ago with the, the great offensive line and the great running game and all that, and Dak Prescott stepped in as a rookie, I think that rookies are more capable than they ever have been before to potentially win, and I also think that some of these other options, Taylor or Tannehill or whoever it might be, are just as good as cousins. I totally agree with you that, Uh, Rick Spielman does not want to do that in any way, shape, or form. He wants to have this wrapped up pretty soon. But, I mean, if if you're talking about the reality of the situation, how much better off or worse off you are if you lose out and everybody goes and it's kind of the nightmare scenario, it's really not as bad as it looks. You cannot tell me that Case Keenum, who won
2: 13 games for you, is is not a better option than some rookie. That they're going to draft 30th?
0: Well, they would have to probably trade up. Oh, that'll I mean, make it all
2: better then. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, well, I mean, if you look at what Kansas City did last year, they moved from 27th to 10th by trading the 27, their next year's first, and then uh, third-round pick. I mean, would that be worth it to get one of these guys? Because I, I think all five of these Yeah, but they still started Alex Smith
2: wrestling. last year. They didn't start the rookie.
0: Right, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You couldn't go with just a rookie. You would have to have another option, too. You would have to have somebody else like... Ryan Tannehill or Taylor or, or whatever other option might be out there. This it's front office is going right. to outsmart
1: itself into a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is sure of, of that, Matthew. He is sure that Spielman's <laughs> going to outsmart himself, and something bad's going to happen here.
0: Well, I mean, th- nothing great is going to happen here unless Drew Brees has a turn of heart. I mean, to be honest, like we'll what you're really him. hoping for, what you're really hoping for is something that's never really worked. Is that some mediocre or mid-pack quarterback? Comes in with a great setup and actually wins the Super Bowl. It just doesn't really happen. And you know, Philadelphia. One thing that you know, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. I get that, but the reason they were thirteen and three is because they had a top two quarterback lead them to that record, and then they had home field advantages throughout the playoffs, which clearly uh, helped them a ton. So, I mean, usually you, you don't have any chance to win unless you have one of the top notch quarterbacks, and that's why I look at it as. Find some other way to do it without giving up $30 million to a mid-pack quarterback because the only shot you ever have to beat Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, whatever, aside from a Minneapolis miracle, is stacking up your roster with free agents that so it is so talented that you could potentially beat the Packers because they mostly have no idea what they're doing with uh, other positions. I mean, that's the only way you really have a chance to beat some of those elite quarterbacks when it comes to the playoffs And that's how Philadelphia did it this year. Thank you,
1: Matthew. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. All right, take it easy. Matthew Collar, uh, check out his work, 1500ESPN.com. Does a great job covering the Vikings for us. Also, uh, churns out uh, about three or four Purple podcasts per week. Uh, you, you can check that out. You can find those at iTunes, uh, 1500ESPN.com, and uh, plenty of places to get more Vikings information. I have, Brian Murphy, some great news. I want to share with you some great news, something that I've been trying to get. I've been talking about this on this show for five years, It's finally happening. Wow. Baseball finally, finally is taking note of what I've been telling them to do.
0: This portion of Mack and Judd brought to you by Catholic United
1: Financial. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Jonathan in for Dave Harrigan today. Brian Murphy, Pioneer Press, in for uh, Mackie, who uh, hopefully, with uh, if travel smooth out a little bit, will be back tomorrow. Because he was supposed to be back today, and then he got stuck Another in Another day at Arizona. the pool in
2: uh, Scottsdale. Or where is he at? Glendale? Where is he at? Phoenix? Uh, Surprise, Arizona, I believe. Surprise. Which is near,
1: which isn't too far from Phoenix. Okay. But that would be, if you got the call, the alert on your phone... Last night, all all flights canceled to the Twin Cities. Like I was stuck in Philadelphia. Yeah. I've been stuck in Philadelphia twice now. There's <laughs> not really right. an upside to that. No, one. no. You're like I'm stuck in Philadelphia. I might as well just go home. If you're in Arizona or Florida, you'd be, I think you'd be very pleased. I with would that. try to
2: get the latest flight out then of, of today.
1: I mean, if he's leaving in the morning, oh, might as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, might as well have another day at the sun. So I have some. I have some news for you that i consider to be fantastic because i've been talking about this on this show i want to say since i started because i've always been a fan of this A hot button issue for you <laughs> darren Ravel, espn's senior writer covers business matters writes the bullpen car is coming back after being gone for an entire generation of baseball fans the arizona diamondbacks will use a helmet clad golf cart for the first time since the vehicle left major league baseball more than two decades ago Quote, I think it wore out its welcome, Diamondbacks president and CEO Derek Hall said, there were these new stadiums and the focus shifted to the guys running through the gates and onto the mound. We think the time is right to bring it back. Hall said the Diamondbacks have purchased two golf carts and had them retrofitted with big caps. So they're not, so, because when I was a kid at Met Stadium, Murph, they, they had a sedan, I believe, they had a real car. Was it a convertible? Or? Yeah, yeah, a convertible. And they would go, I think it was. I might not have or Would been. you climb in the back and you couldn't see who it was, and tinted pitcher, windows? And the pitcher would, so the pitcher, they'd drive it on the warning track at the Met. They'd go get the pitcher from uh, the bullpen, which by that time had been relocated down the left field line. It, it, it was a very short jaunt. And then they would drive the pitcher in, which was sort of cool, but he was just in a car. I've always wanted the golf carts back with the big goofy cap on top. With the team logo, huh? This is a major step. In fact, and I know when Glenn Perkins was closing for the Twins, I think he politicked to get a bullpen car back. And Dave St. Peter, the president of the team, was, I think, receptive to it. So if this is the first step... Glenn didn't want to walk 400 feet from the center field fence. (laughs) I volunteered to drive the damn thing for free. I'll pick 30 dates, do it pro bono. Do it after for free. I,
2: I was fascinated by the reason that they had canceled them, being uh, that they wanted to have these dramatic entrances out the gate to, you know, enter Sandman yes. uh, for Mariano Rivera and yep. Hell's Bells for Trevor Hoffman. And that was sort of the reason they did it. But for a sport that is desperately trying to shorten its games, it obviously makes sense to get the, get the, the guy here quicker to the mound. Mm-hmm. And, and does he need eight warm-up pitches?
1: Have they addressed that? Is that part of the thing they've clipped right now this uh, uh, year? Uh no, they they have not. In fact, they are allowing uh there's an allotted time in which you can take your warm up pitches now and you can exceed eight if you want, but I don't I think it's gonna stay at eight if you come in to so if you're if coming you've in spent with an out decl- I know I'm twenty minutes in the bullpen throwing. You, you don't need you. eight more and I know the pitches yeah, what will be you like do, but what the are mound's doing in the different. Bullpen? Huh? What are you doing
2: in the bullpen if you need eight more pitches? I, you guys, the only argument I could see is, well, you know, the dirt and the hole and the plant foot, and i got to get my—there's my. my I, I, there's a little of that. Fine, you get three. You don't need eight. If you've been
1: throwing for 20 minutes in the bullpen, you don't need eight pitches. I'm just excited about the fact that the bullpen car is back, and I see this now as a way for the Twins to quickly order up two of these things themselves with a the big goofy Twins cap on the top and get them here. Target field. Let's get them, have them here two by different man. caps,
2: too. Get your road cap. That's cab, get Yes. Your...
1: Yeah, Yeah. but let's get let's get them here. I've always said this is a marketing opportunity, too, because in the Twins Pro Shop, you sell mini bullpen carts. Just little toy carts. In oh, fact, that the kids can play in with. In fact, build relief pitchers. Addison Reed little doll. You can put it right in there. The kids can play with it. They can drive the car in themselves. You're they looking can... to give the Polads more money? I'm giving you an. I'm giving the Twins incentive to do this. Ah, okay. I want this. Now, here's I want the question. The bullpen car. Here's the I'll question.
2: Here's the big question now too, because they're so meticulous about Target Field. You know, Larry Delisle is out there all the time with uh, Davino. De DeVino, not De v- Larry Delisle. He's
1: very protective out there with of the his field. tweezers
2: plucking the grass. Yeah. Now, would it be a 90 degree rule with the golf cart? Would mm-hmm. it be warning track only?
1: I say warning track only. Okay. Yeah, you don't drive on well, then the Then that's grass. not going to cut much time off. you got to okay. go directly from bullpen to mound. The cutting time off potentially is fine it, if it happens. I'm talking about just the point of view of bringing the bullpen car back. I am just I just want it back. Where's the chicken? I love it. It's where's a, the San Diego chicken? What happened to him? Ted Gianalis? Is, is I that don't know, but that,
2: that reminds me, because I think of bullpen cars, I think of the San Diego chicken too. Now, where's he been? Oh, the chicken. I think the chicken's been out of it for a long time now. Was there a pedophilia scandal involving him? <laughs> I don't know that for okay, a fact. Okay, sorry. We're not going to touch that. I don't know that, that for a fact. I'm just throwing out there near allegedly. Near that, I'm not I'm not saying they're out there. Ted,
1: if, I'm just. If i are streaming. That sounds Murphy. familiar to me. Pioneer Press. Well, you can Google that. Right, I'm, I'm going to Google that in a second. I thought there was a scandal it, I'm involved not with that. Nope. nope. I have no idea.
2: San Diego chicken the scandal? Ol-
1: the only history I know of the chicken is he was originally sponsored by an FM radio station in San Diego. They sent him to the ballpark. People absolutely loved it. I think there was some type of falling out with, with the radio station, either from Ted or the team itself. And so he came back in a generic chicken costume.
2: All right. It Apparently, he turned 63 in 2016 and retired, according to a New York okay, Times article, as a minor league entertainer. So, he was still out there as, as late as two years ago doing it. Why didn't, uh, I mean, I guess every team's got their own mascot now. They don't need sort of the uh, the freelancer
1: to come in and out. But when the chicken came to town, was that was an the event. I, the chicken, I, if I'm not mistaken, and now that you bring that up, I think he came to Met Stadium a couple he, times. He made a I tour he in the 80s.
2: He barnstormed. You're right. And it was an event when he would come to Tiger Stadium in Detroit. It was chicken night. They had 45,000 people in there. Or when Morgana would show up. What oh, happened to Mar- Morgana?
1: Well, she's probably 70. She got tired of kissing guys I mean, they're definitely the
2: hanging down to her knees by now. She but
1: got tired of kissing guys on the field. That's true. She Can was kissing Pete
2: Rose. and George Brett. And
1: George Brett. That was fantastic. The, wor- the worst ever was when the twins introduced their own mascot in the 80s, a loony bird. A loony bird. At Met State. Trying to compete the with State the bird. chicken? The loon, yeah. Oh, So it was gotcha. a loon. So they introduced this guy. It was the cheapest get-up, you guys, of all time. <laughs> it w- it literally looked like something that a grade school kid ha- had made, and they put this poor guy in a loon costume. And this is a Calvin Griffin a- Griff oh, there? Oh, yes. And then they would play this feeble loon call through the scoreboard. And you were supposed to... Somehow we were supposed to embrace the loon. And that's supposed to fire the crowd and the team up. And let me tell you, firing those th- those teams up was damn near impossible. This is late 70s, early 80s? This is early 80s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was 80, this was probably, well, the last year Met Stadium was 81. This was probably 80-81, and those were some bad baseball teams. But this loon, they put like a, it looked like a bed sheet that they had colored like brown to look like a loon. <laughs> it was the cheapest thing I've ever seen. And meanwhile, you got the chicken in San Diego that everybody loves.
2: And barnstorming. Yes. And, and packing for- the seats for you.
1: I forgot about him barnstorming.
2: Yeah, he was definitely coming around to every ballpark.
1: Interesting. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with this topic. What should be, what should become of gopher hockey, and should Don Lucia be in trouble? Because after the Gophers got swept by uh, Penn State over the weekend in the first round of the Big Ten playoffs, I saw a lot of uh, speculation, a lot of unhappiness about Lucia. How much of the gopher hockey troubles are Don's fault? Uh, 651-646-8255. Certainly take some calls. Come back. Talk gopher hockey.